0: Hello and welcome to the Schooner Pods Red River Rivalry Preview. I'm Bobby Howard. With me today, we've got Jameson Maxwell, Ty Lee, and coming Schooner on to Pods, the show a little bit Red later, River are <laughs> This is the show of the year. You can't mute us in the background. <laughs> He's done that like at least 10 times. <laughs> Horrible. I know we need yeah. the numbies, but come on. It's only happened
1: twice. <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> not twice. Coming on later, we will have our friend Texas, our our, our Texas buddy uh, Chris Eilenstein as well. But guys, before we really get into the Texas side of things, what a week! It feels like like a holiday, genuinely in Oklahoma. Um, how are you guys feeling about the game? Massive, massive occasion. Biggest Red River rivalry since probably two thousand and eight. Um, last that was the last time these two teams were five and zero. You know, throw out the records, throw out the rankings, yada, yada. But this just feels bigger.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've been saying this from the beginning of the season. It was legitimately set up to be like this. When was the last time we've had an undefeated Texas coming into? It was 2008, Bobby? Um, last time Texas was undefeated was 2011. They were 4-0. 2011? Okay, because it just feels like it's been such a long time that both fans will be coming into this game confident. Because it's been a long time where at least one fan group feels more confident than the other. And whenever you're in a hostile environment like this game, it is so fun whenever you have two people on the same page, different fans. Because whenever one is not confident and the other one's confident, you don't get as much bickering. So I'm hoping it's going to be a really, really fun environment and a little bit hostile. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it. the OU side feels...
0: I wouldn't say unconfident, but I think we're still a little nervous. It feels like Oklahoma hasn't quite gotten to the point where we feel like this team is really actually good. Like all the way, we know we're better, but we don't know how much better we are until we're going to uh, hit the field against the Longhorns this Saturday.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. This is both really the first real test for this Oklahoma squad. And then, you know, by some accounts, if you look at our schedule, our only real test Uh, That we're going to face this year. So it will certainly be very interesting. I mean, Texas has a very, very impressive resume, no matter what you say about Alabama right now. I know a lot of it is built on going into Tuscaloosa and winning, but Texas has a very impressive resume. And then obviously it is, um, you know, losing some big pieces like Bijan Robinson, but broadly the same Texas team, maybe even improved version of what we faced last year. And we remember how that went. So it'll be very interesting to see how much this OU squad has improved and what we can bring out against this Texas squad this, this weekend.
2: I I, I don't want to hear anything about this Alabama win. Wasn't that good of a win for Texas because of the South Florida game afterwards and kind of this, you know, quarterback controversy. That was a really damn good win. And you see what Ole Miss did versus LSU this past weekend. Like what Alabama's defense did to Ole Miss's offense And what Ole Miss's offense just did to LSU shows that Texas has got an absolute great offense that can put up that many points on the road in Tuscaloosa. I'm not going to take this whole, oh, they beat Alabama, but Alabama's on a down year. I think think Alabama's still a very talented team this year.
0: Yeah, no, and I I think you can kind of just throw that South Florida game out as a mulligan for Alabama. And we're not talking about the Tide, really, but Jalen Milrow, like – has changed that team this that was a good alabama team that texas beat you gotta give them credit for that that was a good win Mm -hmm. the horns look as complete as anybody in the country let's just be completely honest
2: um because even georgia like last week was having some issues and i understand texas kind of like sputtered a little bit with rice at the beginning of the season and i guess the first half of the kansas game you know kansas is still a quality opponent that's a top 25 team Right. And at the end of the day they still pulled away and got a big win. But um let's let's dive it into
1: really a bit. it. Yeah, it ahead, really is. Yeah, it really is like it's 2008. We got a top 25 Kansas with a respectable offense and we got undefeated OU and Texas rolling into a
0: into Red River. It's it, the Big 12 is back. High, highly rated Georgia but still a little bit suspect, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Feels, feels yeah, cool. Feels cool.
1: Certainly the Big 12 commissioner will be in attendance for this momentous matchup of the two best teams in the conference
0: oh but ty believe it or not old brett your mark not not showing up to this one uh but you know who will be our 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 uh our commissioner father uh <laughs> our, our guy uh greg sankey uh commissioner of the sec will be in attendance so that'll be that'll be fun i guess if you're into commissioners attending games or not, but um, I have before Bobby takes it, I have a call to action. I'm going to mention it several times throughout the
1: pod. We need, we desperately need a bipartisan from the OU and Texas fans SEC chant during this game. It would be unbelievably amazing if we could get say, that going.
0: Would you say it would just mean more?
1: It
2: would mean a whole lot to the screener Pod. <laughs> it would be pretty I- great. <laughs> I don't want any camaraderie during this game. Straight up. That's true. I don't That's care. True. I don't care that we're both it's going brutal. to the SEC together. No. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Yes, Save it for I can respect Texas. I can respect them, and I'm very glad that they're coming with us to the SEC. Obviously, they have a very good symbiotic relationship with us. We really build on each other. During this weekend, uh-uh. Nope. Mm-mm. No. Not going to do a chant with the Texas fans. I'm just going to have to listen. I've been working on the railroad the whole time i
0: love it (laughs) all right so let's get into the ball game a little bit and obviously there is one massive difference between last year and this year and that is uh the health and status of dylan gabriel barring a weird jalen uh you know you know uh, whatever happened with kansas last week where uh their quarterback kind of got hurt the morning before and tweaked his back barring a situation where we have a late scratch out of nowhere dylan gabriel will play in this one he was out last year in this year uh and in 2023 he looks like a better quarterback than he has um in prior seasons um just been slinging the rock uh been running the ball pretty well and i i'll go as far as say that i think to say that, I think Dylan Gabriel might be the most important player in this game on both sides.
2: There is no doubt about that. Because if you look at this Texas team, and we'll talk a little bit about this later, this is a very complete team, like you said, Bobby. And where am I going to find the weakness of this Texas team? It's not on the offense, in my opinion, because their offense is just solid and good. I, I think it's got to be the secondary. That That's really my best guess here. Dylan Gabriel's got to carve them up. And here's my biggest thing. We've been running a little bit more deep balls as of recently. We've been trying to get Andrew Anthony and, you know, Brennan Thompson last game, Jaden Gibson. If we can come out early, I want to get ball first and get Dylan Gabriel to throw deep balls, make a big play. We were the little kid on the playground last year, and we got pushed because our big brother, you know, wasn't there, and we had no protection. We've grown up a little bit, and we need to come out against the bully of Texas and punch him in the face right off the bat. It's as simple as that, because 49-0 isn't gonna happen again. We need to come out, grab the momentum from them and control this game.
1: Yeah, I'm with I'm with Jameson. I mean, you're you're talking about a, a truly split environment. I think it should be probably the the most raucous environment that we've seen at a Red River in a while. Uh not that it's been, you know, tamed necessarily since that that COVID year game, but it, it's really gonna matter that we come out and we show out. I think. Oh, you getting down even by 10 points early uh, would be pretty catastrophic just because what we've seen from this offense, but also just the environment that that would create. I think it would be very challenging for us to be competitive in the game mm-hmm. if we aren't you know, taking the reins early on. I mean, a big a big turnover would also be super, super significant because I think, honestly, I'm not trying to dog on Dylan Gabriel, but I, I do not want to be in a situation where we're going shot for shot against texas obviously that would be a massive improvement over last year but i want us to win this game and i think if we get down to a situation where we're going shot for shot with them they certainly i think have the edge
2: absolutely
0: right and because i think i think texas even though OU's defense has improved texas's defense is just more seasoned they're bigger they feel a little bit better right now uh they feel like the better commodity and i feel like if we I, I feel like the one thing I know is both of these defenses will do pretty well, but this game might hinge on Dylan Gabriel's ability to, to hang with Quinn Ewers.
2: Yeah, and Ryan Watts, I know, is day-to-day right now. Outside quarterback, we'll see if he plays or not. Um, so I'm I'm just really curious about this Texas defense and what they can do. And obviously Bobby has a graphic here on the side talking about 12.8 points per game, 290.8 yards per game, and 26.9% on third downs. Like, that is a good, good front. And really, you got to look at Texas's front seven. You know, their defensive line with Alfred Collins and Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, that is a tough, tough group. And for a team in Oklahoma that has not established the run at all, at all this season, you know, like Jonathan Brooks for Texas last week, 218 yards, outrushed himself, any other Oklahoma running back this whole year in one game. In one game, he outrushed the one, um, what all, uh, one running back for Oklahoma's had. So it is imperative that we can get this passing game going because our running game is just not there. And Texas is going to be a really, really hard defense to run against.
0: Yeah. No, I, I mean, absolutely. Um, and the stat I feel like I brought up, uh, and I actually got it right this time. Um, 23 of the past 25 OU Texas games. The, the team that wins the rushing battle wins the game. So it is oh, something that is so imperative. Oh. And it's so horrifying when you look at OU's rushing game, uh, which has just been bad, uh, frankly been bad. Uh, Marcus Major has received the majority of carries. Uh, he has looked, frankly, middling uh, at best. Uh, Towie Walker, Javante Barnes, just haven't been able to live up to that production. Mm-mm. Dylan Gabriel has as many touchdowns through the ground as our running back core. Well, not our running back core, but our top three backs, which is very concerning to say the least.
1: Yeah, we're going to need, I mean, we touched on, we've been touching on the running game a lot lately. And I, you know, I have a lot of the same talking points, obviously, because it was only two days ago that I had during the the Iowa State recap. But it's just the running game, like we talked about, if we haven't seen it click prior to now, I don't think this is the one where it's going to click. I mean, Texas is a, a very, very strong team when it comes to shutting down the run. I think, you know, I would make the argument that one of the best pieces of their team is, in fact, their D-line and their linebackers. I think maybe even better than their offense. And that's certainly a worry. when we have had such trouble establishing the run. We do need to, I think, realistically at this point for this game, we need to establish the run at least in short yardage to where we're not having to rely on Dylan Gabriel having to maybe truck over someone like he did in the Iowa State game to get a touchdown. Because that's where most of Dylan Gabriel's you know rushing touchdowns are. And it's just not something that we can really risk in a game like this. This is the game to put it out all on the line for. But we need to have our running backs be a real credible threat, especially when we when we get inside the red zone.
2: Yeah, our running backs might beep up around and kind of combine for 100 yards in this game. But if we're going to stick to that stat, Bobby, about really it's very imperative to win the rushing attack um, versus Texas to win the game, our rush defense has got to play good. And our rush defense for the eye test has looked good um, at the beginning of the season. I've been impressed with our rush defense. You know, Danny Stutzman has been really good. If he can get over that horrible stubbed toe that he had in the last game, you know, he can do really well in stopping run fits, getting in the um, right gap. And, you know, as well with Jaron Canick and his speed um, and our defensive line has been honestly surprising in run fits. So I feel good on our run defense.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like when you're talking about the run defense, it's about it's like you said, it's about f- filling gaps, finding fits. You know, the the, def- the uh, linebacking crew has been remarkable. Uh, that is something that is just that, that not up for debate. It's been great. Danny Stutzman, Jaron Kanek, the whole core has been great. Um, the defensive line hasn't been able to get a ton of pressure. Uh, and that gives me a little bit of pause, a little bit of concern. But I don't think we're going to see the um, the rushing performance we saw last week against Kansas that Texas had. Um, because as sure we hope not. <laughs> as we've noted, as we've noted, that Kansas defense is not good. No. K- KU wants to wants to run if KU wants to win a game they have to be uh pretty effective on offense so um something tells me that Danny Stutzman and Jaron karnick won't allow Quinn Ewers to run all over them like that um obviously he's still a threat he's still a concern but I it you know look Quinn Ewers is miles ahead of uh of uh old I- Jason <laughs> Emory Jones G- I was saying they're uh <laughs> Yeah, no, look, Quinn Yours is better than, quite a bit better than uh, Emory Jones, but we we saw how that OU defense can stop a pretty solid mobile quarterback. So um, I, I feel like KNIC will kind of have an eye, you know, kind of spying on Ewers to prevent that from being an issue.
1: Yeah, it, it will certainly be interesting to see what this OU defense dials up, especially early in the game, uh, because I think overall, if you look at the entire game, at least in my opinion, you have to go kind of aggressive. I mean, OU is, although there are some computer models predicting us to actually be the favorites in this one, we're the underdogs. And um, yeah, we're the the underdogs. And uh, we're coming off of a really tough loss last year. And I think realistically you have to take some gambles, especially on the defensive side in terms of just dialing up pressure and everything else. But I don't necessarily know if we're going to expect to see that in you know, the first couple snaps, you know, do we go out there on the first play of the game and really just dial up a lot of heat and take a gamble, or do we kind of ease into it, but keep the pressure on throughout the game? It will be very interesting to see, um, especially on this linebacking core. I think a lot of it is going to fall on them. We've talked about our D line and maybe some suboptimal results when it comes to, to pass rush and, and everything else, you know, we're going to have to rely on the secondary, but these linebackers are going to have to plug the gaps, you know, pun intended whether it be on pressure, whether it be on shutting down the run, or whether it be having to drop back into some some coverage for short medium yardage, it was really going to be a lot about the linebackers in this game.
0: Agreed. I, I think the linebackers are definitely going to be key. Um, so important to stopping the run. But Jamison, to me, if, if there's a position group that scares me the most. Uh, with Texas. It has to be their receivers. Um, mm-hmm. What a dynamic pair they have in Xavier Worthy and AD Mitchell. Um, just been electric, 345 yards, three touchdowns for for Worthy. Mitchell has been just as great with four touchdowns, uh, 321. Um, it, I mean, look, the secondary has been pretty solid with OU, aside from a couple breaks, but this is just going to be a, an absolute challenge.
2: Yeah, OU fans already know Xavier Worthy is an issue. He's been a problem for us from the beginning. He is an absolute playmaker, and playmakers make big plays in big games. Um, here's the thing I know, very redundant, right? This is big <laughs> brain <a> good. thinking. <laughs> so uh AD Mitchell, though, the way he played versus Kansas, you know, we always knew he was a big time target. Getting 10 catches in that game. And some, te- I got onto Texas's Reddit thread before earlier today because I was curious to what all the Texas fans were saying. I wanted to get a little bit of a, you know, a, a barometer on this Texas fan base. I don't really know if Texas Reddit is the best place to do that, but whatever. There's a lot of people saying that they like AD Mitchell more than Xavier Worthy. Wow, that's
0: that's some high praise right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's been excellent. He's been excellent. Uh, I, I think he's definitely. Probably been the better receiver this year. We'll we'll talk to Chris about that when we bring him onto the show here in a little bit. Um, But yeah, um, I I mean, having that duo is just so, so frightening. But um, anyways, guys, you know what? I think we're actually probably ready to bring uh, Chris on here. So look, let's give him a big old uh, schooner pod welcome here. And, you know, let's give him let's give him a fat beat.
2: yes i
0: had to do it chris i had to bring up the retro ut intro from 1990 whatever um welcome onto the schooner pod buddy uh and look before we get into red river uh i have to bring something up importantly uh congratulations to your seahawks and specifically their defense for their outstanding performance yesterday uh very much appreciate that uh but as as everyone knows (laughs) nobody cares about fantasy teams uh So anyways, let's get to it. Uh, Chris, your horns have had an excellent start, 5-0. What's the general vibe in Austin like right now? First of all, I just want to make sure everyone can hear me. I was kind
3: of messing with the microphone. Okay. I may have unplugged it, but we're good. All right. Um, I think the general vibe in Austin is – it's kind of – I think Joel Klatt said it on one of his shows, but it was like cautious optimism. It's like – this team has hurt people in the past, so we're just waiting. It's kind of like a wait and see, like one game at a time. So um, that's a funny comment, but uh, so I think once we like, assuming however this game goes, if if Texas wins, I think then we can really start to build some momentum on what comes out of this season. Considering you know, TCU's not quite as good as people thought they were, and it kind of feels like it's kind of the reverse of OU outside of this game. It kind of feels like a little bit of like a downshift through the end of the season. We already got through like red river and Alabama. However you want to say Kansas is in the upper half of big 12 teams this year <laughs> with, with West Virginia and TCU, which is, it's a sad state of affairs, but yeah, I would say cautious optimism, like just taking it
0: this game and then kind of seeing what, what comes after. So that's interesting. It kind of feels like overall everybody is both optimistic and excited, but also knows that the, the the entire floor can fall out at any time.
2: Yeah, it's just this big game hedging that us broken fans do all the time. But here's the thing. Once that game time happens on Saturday and you see like the first kickoff, all of that hedging in your head's going to get thrown out the door. Yeah, I mean and i think first of all
3: what you guys were talking about earlier i think it's just it's something else ou schedule is something else and i think we'll maybe we'll get into that in a little bit but it's it's a weird season i feel like where ou like really we i think we can agree it's not one of their most dominant teams ever but even if they lost this red river I, it feels like we'll get a, a repeat a red river to electric boogaloo uh in december <laughs> like a final going out party for the big 12 but
1: that's what I was going to say. Jameson was going to attack me for trying to have camaraderie with a Texas fan, but I've been meaning to refer to this as the first Red River matchup of the year uh, because I think realistically, I mean, I mean, I think Chris might agree with this, but uh, you know, from a Texas fan's perspective, I think if OU keeps this one close, say Texas wins, I think like you just alluded to, I think Texas fans are very much expecting to face this Sooner squad again in Dallas. And I think OU fans, from our perspective, I would love for OU to win. I think we can. But if we do, I know we're going to have to face the monster again of the Horns in Dallas, you know, barring something absolutely absurd.
0: Yeah. And look, you always want to to win every game. And I'm not even going to entertain the idea of which one would you rather win. But it it does... (laughs) You know, having that opportunity to have a rematch, which you didn't have prior to um the Big Twelve, you know, losing Nebraska, all that, going to a non-divisional uh format, um, you know, it, it kind of lessens the stakes in a bit, in a way. Because you still have you, you know that they might be at the end of at the end of the road with Arlington, given how you know, look, OU schedule's bad after this. Uh same with Texas's, honestly. Uh I, I think what the horn's toughest game remaining would Spooky be Kansas State at Ames. home, yeah, yeah, the night I'll game probably. at home, the the night game <laughs> against against Iowa State. You know, it's one oh, of those no. like, regardless of record, regardless of who's playing, because they, you know, have, may or may not be suspended. Always a little tricky, I guess. They fat yeah. you up with the chili before the game. <laughs> I'll be uh, yeah, I'll be at the Kansas State game. Um,
3: that's another team that I feel like similar to TCU, maybe had some preseason hopes coming into it. And maybe just hasn't played out the way we all expected. So it, it this would make Saturday even more critical. It feels like it's really between these two teams.
0: So, yeah. Well, enough about the future. Let's kind of talk about Saturday a bit here. Um, look, Texas was pretty good last year. As OU fans know, absolute beat down the Cotton Bowl, but it didn't quite seem to translate in a couple places. Stillwater, uh, just to name one, Um, what is different about this Texas team from last year uh, that Sooner fans might not have seen? So, uh, well, you guys might have seen this, but I feel like the first thing has really
3: been an emphasis on finishing fourth quarters and also kind of avoiding, you know, as your kiss of death in two of your weekend spreads, like avoiding these trap games with Baylor and Kansas, like not going into these complacent games um, I mean, the game against Baylor, it, they really took care of business. Kansas was close for, you know, by half, and then all of a sudden, you look at the score and it's forty to fourteen. So I think the Horns have done a really good job of. Sometimes these games have been close, and they've kind of complemented a stop or two on defense with going down and scoring, and suddenly, what may only be a seven point lead or a tie game flips to multiple scores and covering the spread within a quarter. So I think they catch you by surprise a lot of times, and also just not being
2: complacent and finishing, finishing these games off. Mm -hmm. That was, that was a big weakness for them. And I don't want to make this sound like it's a job interview, but how about you (laughs) tell us Texas's biggest weakness? Uh, it's caring too much. They <laughs> <laughs> work really hard sometimes. Hard.
1: Just, <laughs> I just
3: work too hard. Um, so I was thinking about this. I was thinking if there was a weakness, like something, if there was anything that OU would be thinking about hanging in this game, maybe it's two things. Number one, like actually, three things I got for you. Number one has been the kicking game, um, Brent Auburn. I don't know why the announcers during Kansas were like, this guy is usually reliable last season. I'm like, no, he's been bad for two years. Like he's can't make a kick past 50 yards. Okay. He's about 50, 50 past Enjoying 40 yards. Yeah. So um if if the Longhorns run into a tight game, I worry that there's going to be a missed kick or something. That's the first thing. Number two, the past week or two, some of the special teams, specifically like muffed punts and kicks have been, a little bit shaky, like they haven't always turned it over, but just missing these, you know, just normal kickoff, just fair catches and everything is a little strange. Um, and the third thing, I think this is where if Dylan Gabriel wants to excel in this game, the Texas defense is really good. But what I noticed is there's a couple times where the safeties come down and suddenly it almost looks like the safety is covering the receiver one-on-one, but they're underneath the receiver. In a way where they're not over the top covering in the way they should be on a deep throw, so I haven't really looked at OU's receivers or anything like that. But if there's some sort of long pass or something where they get by the safeties, I I feel like that could be could mm, be something they could exploit.
1: Dylan Gabriel in our receiver room are known for tearing people apart with the deep ball uh, this season, <laughs> specific and last season, and and by people we're I trying mean trying this OU fans we're, we're trying. Um, if you yeah, mean it's deep like, like it's, it's between improved. 5 and 10 yards, we'll tear you up deep. That's it's why improved. I was
3: thinking Dylan Gabriel is like your Walmart brand to a-
2: Kind of I, honestly,
3: I mean, it, short because they're both Hawaiian? <laughs>
2: Hawaiian now. I can't believe we have never thought of that. They're yeah. both
3: Hawaiian, they're both <laughs> left handed, right? Like, they he seems Dylan Gabriel seems very automatic with like your on schedule throws, like mm. dishing it out to multiple receivers. So, when you guys talk about carving up a team, like, he really does it seems like move the ball on schedule down the field. But I think if he starts to get flustered, or if somehow Texas's D line starts to throw around OU a little bit and gets him. <laughs> gets him behind by a touchdown or two,
0: like it could be a troublesome thing for OU. Cause OU hasn't really had a chance to come back from anything. Um, I mean, they were down, I think down three to Cincinnati, but that was, you know, like one of those like first possession sort of things, kick a field goal. So they, they haven't really faced a ton of uh, adversity this year. And last year they didn't really do well in that uh, situation. So I, I agree. I, I as we mentioned earlier, I think it's definitely imperative for you to start start hot if they want to, um, you know, really have a chance to win this game. Um, but you know, I, I will say th- we always have a thing every year where we and we're not going to properly go into it where we talk about who who will kind of be a legend. Um, you know, who who will write their name in the lore of OU Texas history? And if you're thinking of, about a guy who can go deep, hit some big balls, that, that came off wrong. Uh, nice. Nick Anderson uh, is a hey name man, that comes no to mind. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Nick Anderson, though, uh, wide receiver for OU. Probably not a, not a name that a lot of people around the country know. Uh, Rodney Anderson's little brother uh, mm-hmm. from Texas. Feels like one of those kind of storyline type of guys uh, that could maybe exploit uh, Texas's secondary a bit.
3: Yeah, I mean again I don't I haven't looked into much to uh the Sooners other than when I was texting you about Drake Stoops on that fourth down for them to just get the game progressing but uh I I really think it's yeah I I mean OU may have improved on defense but it's kind of hard for me to see that OU is going to have a defensive player that'll be legendary just based off of you guys want to flaunt that they're better than last year, but if we really look at it, Texas allows 30 less yards. And I, I would say the quality of opponents has been a lot better versus OU's, you know, Arkansas von Arkansas state offense. But um yeah, I mean, or I think you could say Dylan Gabriel. Like if you really I think if you want to hone in on he's gonna be the heart and soul of OU, like if they were to win this game, in my opinion.
2: But what about Texas, like a Texas player that could like absolutely carve us up when we weren't ready for it?
3: I think you guys alluded to it. I think Adonai Mitchell, he goes by Adonai now, you guys. But uh Oh, uh, I probably whoops. A D was behind. his Georgia persona. Um changed eras. He's changed eras. Yeah, but I think he like it seems to be what happens during some of the games. Like Xavier Worthy gets so much attention that occasionally he'll get a lapse in the defense and he'll get a couple throws. But if hmm. you know if if OU wants to make a point of <laughs> double covering him, then I think Adonai Mitchell could be somebody considering JT Sanders' is day-to-day with Ryan Watts, so I'm still hesitant to say, like, if he's going to play, which that would be a real concern for Texas, in my opinion. Um, Or on the defensive side, maybe someone like Jalen Ford, you know, the linebacker who actually Mm -hmm. leads the team, I believe, in interceptions, which is kind of funny. He's a ball hawk at middle linebacker. But I think those would be kind of my two people.
2: Don't you dare tie talk about the numbers. So just, two just to just to
3: circle back, <laughs>
1: um, because I, I wanna wanna make sure we're on the same page. Uh you were talking about um AD9 Mitchell, I think is his name. Uh and you were you were talking about how he's you know not the WR one on the team, but sometimes he, he sort of finds a niche, because uh, defenses maybe don't have the depth or the awareness. Uh, to mm-hmm. cover, you know, two really good receivers at the same time. Do you feel like maybe there's an advantage in college football of being a really strong WR2?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you'll get your shots regardless. It just depends on, am I missing some kind of like Oh, This is a, this is something for, a,
0: for,
1: for like four years joke. now, however long the pod has been going. I well, developed this take out of thin air one time that it's actually better to be the WR2 on a team than a WR1 because most teams don't really have depth in the secondary and you get super good highlight reels by just being the guy that they can't afford to cover. And it's, it's funny I, that you bring think, that up.
3: You know, I, I think you're onto something with that. And I also think that's why like in the last game, suddenly Jonathan Brooks exploded for over 200 yards. Like I think they were so concerned. Maybe Kansas was too focused looking at a couple the first couple games when Texas couldn't really get the run going and then suddenly the run exploded. So you know, so, there's I think there's weapons everywhere on the Texas mm-hmm.
0: offense. Definitely. Definitely. And I got to, I want to ask about Brooks a little bit more. Was that performance against Kansas? Do you really think that was probably like more of a one-off or do you think that's actually like, he kind of has that dog in him? What do you think? I think he's got the dog. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to rip off 200
3: yards every game, certainly. Yeah. But um, I mean, he's already almost at 600 yards, five games in. So I think he could be, Trying to remember if he's a sophomore or a junior, but I think he could certainly have a thousand-plus-yard season. Um, some people were saying he's he's faster than Bijan Robinson in just straightaway speed. I mean, that's that wasn't Whoa. me saying that, but Whoa, maybe not a shifty. But I think if he gets an open space, it's it's really hard to run him down.
2: That, yeah, that's, that's not what I want to hear. Um, but okay. So we're, we're talking about Texas's defense and their safeties kind of coming up a little bit. Um, so do you feel like safe, like secondary might be your weaker position? And are you saying what defensive line or linebackers do you feel like is the strongest point of this Texas defense? So secondary may be the weaker, but I don't even see the corners as really being a weakness.
3: I think the corners have been really good. We have a true freshman who rotates in. If Ryan Watts is healthy, he'll be really good. I think the safeties are the weakness only because they they rotate another true freshman who maybe is not quite as ready. And, um, and I think the defensive line probably bar none is maybe the strength of the defense considering – they get a lot of pressure. I think they're pretty disciplined on not letting, I think Dylan Gabriel can kind of run a little bit, but they seem to be pretty disciplined on, you know, collapsing the pocket completely, not just like letting someone roll out and take off. Um, and especially when you have the really big guys up front and you're getting the pressure from the front of the pocket, it seems to be really hard for a quarterback to get out of that.
1: Yeah, that's, um that's interesting. I, I, do you feel that Texas has really been tested when it comes to sort of an opponent from the air? Cause I, you know, we touched on Alabama. I'm sure you heard that when you were in the back room and how that's a quality win, but that wasn't necessarily anything close to what Alabama truly can bring from the air. I know Kansas, you know, has their moments, but do you feel like, I mean, obviously statistically, this is going to be the best aerial offense that, that y'all have faced so far. But I guess what I'm asking is, do you feel like Texas has been tested from the air, or do you feel like this might actually be the first real test of a pretty complete offense?
3: Look, I think I think this will be the best test they've had so far. Um, what I will say is, I'm not really sure how to gauge, as far as a litmus test, I think Alabama was a good litmus test on maybe line play, like how the D-line actually gets after somebody, because... The Alabama line maybe is not quite as good as they've been before, but they still made a whole show about it in the pregame, talking about three out of the five guys were above 350 pounds, and this was a huge line. And Texas didn't really seem to have too much of a problem getting actual pressure. Um, but, of course, I would I would certainly say Dylan Gabriel is a much better passer than maybe any of the other teams. So it's really – I don't know much about the OU line this year. I think it's really – kind of key point on like are they giving dylan gabriel enough time to where he really can make those schedule throws because then it could get really interesting if he's not flustered and he's getting in a rhythm down the field so i don't know if you guys can speak on how the yeah. OU line play has been this year
2: as noted offensive line talker of this <laughs> podcast that no one else really wants to talk about our pass pro i feel like is pretty decent our run protect our run blocking has not been that great um It's been kind of hit or miss on our tackle play. Last week, Walter Rouse, our left tackle transfer for Stanford, didn't look as good, but he has the potential to be an absolute dominant force. So in terms of like, you know, your defensive line versus us and getting Dylan Gabriel enough time, I feel confident about that. But the problem is with Dylan Gabriel is if he does get pressure on him, his biggest, you know, mark is... He seems to have trouble whenever the play breaks down. He's a guy who likes things, you know, structured and in his own little bubble. You know, if the play doesn't go to option one or maybe even option two, he really struggles to find um, a place to put the ball. Um, So if Texas really wants to succeed in stopping our passing attack, it's good. They're going to have to bring blitzes and different looks to Dylan Gabriel to take away those front uh, options and really like jump routes and try to be aggressive yeah do you guys foresee um sorry bobby i was gonna say do you guys you
3: got it do you guys foresee an issue i know you talked about how ou has struggled with the run game this year if texas really does kind of lock down at least like saying you're not gonna run like dylan gabriel if you want to, you're gonna have to throw for 400 yards and beat us through the air do you guys foresee an issue of sort of it starts to become a little predictable whether whether OU gets behind a touchdown or two, or let's just say the run's not really working and they go away from it? Do you do you foresee an issue if Texas does start to like dial up blitzes and say, hey, we're gonna come after you like we know you're throwing the ball?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, in terms of predictability, you know, that's kind of that can be Jeff Webby's bread and butter, uh, quite quite a couple times. Um, we've we have seen the offense kind of stall out. In, you know in weird moments um but you know gabriel is a player you know as as jameson mentioned he's not very good under pressure and this is a cauldron of energy emotion and it 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 could be a lot if texas gets to him all day um as ty has noted many many a time uh he he's been he's he, he can be a bit mistake prone you know as a, a weird slippery fumble here a a pick there, he he can get rattled, even though he is um, a bit of a senior. Well, he's like a super super senior at this point. He's been in the damn damn college football forever.
1: I I do have a take on this that's maybe slightly different to Bobby's, and, and I think if I'm Texas planning against Dylan Gabriel in this OU offense, and having you know seen this for a couple years now, I feel like the point that Dylan Gabriel is at, and this is both a pro and anti Dylan Gabriel take, and I've been on Dylan Gabriel's, you know, train this year, but I feel like if Texas is going to dial up, this is going to sound silly, but if Texas is going to dial up pressure, the pressure has to actually get to him because Dylan Gabriel's strength is when he doesn't necessarily have to go through looking at his second, third, you know, whatever option in his progression. And his strength is when he can throw in that sort of 5 to 15-yard range, obviously everyone can throw you know, the little bubbles or whatever at the line. If Texas tries to dial up pressure from their linebackers and they're not able to consistently actually get pressure on him, he's very good in situations where he can look at his first option in that 5 to 15-yard range and make a very, very good completion even if the person is is covered. So if Texas is going to bring linebackers – They have to be getting to him because if they're getting tangled up for even a half second in the the line, they're opening up those plays in the box that are his bread and butter. Whereas I feel like if you're looking at just purely what can I do to degrade Dylan Gabriel's passing, I think there's a pretty big argument that if you trust your, you know, obviously you don't trust your safeties that much, but if you trust your secondary I think as a defense, you can you know give him those deep opportunities and just wait for him to make mistakes. So it, it'll certainly be interesting. Obviously, if you're dialing up pressure and you're getting pressure, you know on un- uninterrupted sacks and stuff, that's going to work against any quarterback. But you have to make it work if you're Texas, or it, it can backfire pretty severely. I think with DG.
3: And really, I mean the two the two times where I've seen kind of a breakdown on like deep throws were. I think it was, you know, Alabama and Kansas, maybe when Texas was starting to kind of sell out to where, hey, these two guys, like, not really an arm strength issue with Jalen Milroe or being from Kansas, more of just like a, they're not really hitting their throws kind of deal. So I think they were kind of selling out and saying, like, you guys both are great at running. This is really the only thing that's working for both of your offenses was like the little triple option stuff with Kansas and whenever Jalen Milroe was taking off. So it was more of like a, we're going to sell out a little bit, and but I think that's good to hear from Dylan Gabriel. I mean, Texas hasn't really looked too bad at even an intermediate stuff. That's kind of where a lot of the picks have come from, have been kind of those like boundary throws with Jade Barron or like Jalen Ford pretty much feasts on over-the-middle throws and kind of the intermediary. That's where most of his picks come from. So probably not good news for you guys, but I mean Texas has really been good at getting – turnovers pretty much every game and turning it into points. As we talked about kind of flipping the script on holding the score from that team and then getting the
0: score to kind of extend the lead. Does Texas have, um, you know, when, when Texas gets into the red zone, pretty automatic, right? Not, not, not a lot of issues there besides Kansas,
3: I would say, so last year, that was, that was a really big issue for them last year. And I would say it's another thing that has changed this year. They have been able to kind of punch these in Um, the only thing I would say Kansas early, that didn't happen. And then the second half, they did put a few touchdowns in, in the red zone and kind of turn that around. So to be determined against OU again, I mean, it's, I feel like it's a little bit hard of a gauge, whether we want to talk about if OU's defense has improved it's a, it's just it's hard to gauge right now this is kind of the first big test for them um and i think Texas's offense has been quite frankly a lot better i think last year they struggled a lot with deep throws from Quinn or him getting in the schedule and hitting these throws that he was supposed to be hitting and i think he's done a much better job this year of that
2: i'm really curious cuz obviously when OU fans think about weaknesses in the red zone, we think like big targets and big targets usually just destroy our smaller DBs. So obviously um, Mitchell, obviously Sanders are big targets in the red zone. I'm curious to see if we might put Gentry Williams, who is our CB2 on a guy like Xavier worthy and have Woody Washington who's been our cover corner, really, really strong performance to start this year over on Mitchell. Um, I hope that I see that, but if I'm a sooner fan, I'm looking straight off first drive and seeing where our cornerbacks are lined up against watch wide receiver.
0: Yeah, no, but, I, I mean, I, I think that, that I I'm with you. I think that'll be very important, making sure you have, you know, because I feel like OU has the guys in previous like that they didn't have in previous years. You know, Woody mm. Washington has stepped up in a different way this year, uh, as you mentioned. Gentry Gentry's you know, got the size speed, and everything. Keep up with yeah.
2: Worthy too. Yeah, uh,
0: it. I I, th- I think that's going to be the most keep interesting
2: up, battle of the day, Chris. <laughs> yeah, you know, like up. obviously, anybody <laughs> <everyone laughs> can't you know stay all the way, but like he's still like a fourth four speed kind of cornerback what's weird to me like we've been talking about Adonai mitchell i i didn't actually know until the kansas
3: game that like he was like six five so he i feel like he plays like kind of a speedy six one six two kind of receiver and then you suddenly figure out he's six five which i feel like can be a huge advantage considering jt sanders is six five six six even worthy's six one like he's not really small he's just scary skinny which is always worrying me for injury but Fair. Um, I mean, I think if Sanders is healthy, I think I think it's just so many different weapons to have. Like even our true freshman Jonte Cook has kind of like appeared a little bit. I, I think they're kind of on a pitch count per se. But when he's been in, he's been he's caught some targets. So it's it's really three or four different wide receivers. Now you add in the run game, which I honestly in my opinion hasn't really skipped that much of a beat because they've been rotating two guys that are, can both get a hundred yards. So um, CJ Baxter, the true freshman is on, he's also on a pitch count, you know, trying to kind of, he's still healing a little bit from, he got banged up against Alabama. So look for him to get like 10 to 15 carries along with Jonathan Brooks. So.
0: Ty, I feel like you were going to say yeah. something earlier. What were you going to Sorry, say? No, I did. I, I have a couple no, of things.
1: One on on um, what's his name? Eighty nine. You said he was he was six but he seems six one. I mean, I know you went to TCU, and then you're a Texas fan. So you might not know this, <laughs> but those of us that took university level physics, like it, there might be some sort of a, you know, like objects that are going faster can sometimes appear um, a little a little smaller than they actually are. So maybe that's what's. He's so fast that uh, there's some sort of like spatial relativity occurring there. But um, I was just going to touch on the, the red zone offenses. OU sitting at 89% scoring efficiency, Texas at 90, both kind of in the 30s. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but I, I have to just sort of touch back on OU. I think there is some kicking issues that are, are driving those down. Mm-hmm. But another thing mm-hmm. I know that is driving this OU red zone efficiency down and this is the question to you, Chris: Is is penalties and penalties are going to be huge? I think in, in deciding this game, or, or definitely have the potential to. Um, I haven't watched a lot of Texas this year. How is Texas doing in terms of uh, penalties that you can sort of deal? Well, obviously, you know, most penalties you can do something about. But is, is do you feel that this Texas squad is relatively error prone when it comes to penalties, or, or are you all pretty solid for for this point in the season?
3: So unfortunately for you guys, Texas is actually one of the least penalized teams in the country. Um, so I think that's another difference from years past where things have gotten a little sloppy. Um, I really haven't seen that many error prone. You know, during the Kansas game, there was kind of a weird high snap and like a penalty, but that was really one drive. And then they kind of seemed to just lock it back in and focus up and finish the game. Uh, so no, I would I would say you you don't see that many now, of course, this being a rivalry game, you know, I'm, I'm just concerned, like, keep no late hits, keep keep those sort of, like, unsportsmanlike conduct things to a minimum, which I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Yep.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, we don't have to worry about the Big 12 refs because they probably both hate us. So, uh, that, <laughs> I don't know. There could be some <laughs>
2: conspiracy going on. They just really want to muck this game up. Like, oh, college <laughs> game day? <laughs> yeah, good luck.
0: I hope you like three to two, you know, just give you like a real the sicko game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: have
3: of the, Cheezed uh, bull of years past.
0: Uh, what was, was it? Uh, you know, something about that, don't you? <laughs> yes,
3: I do.
1: What was that uh, LSU Alabama game a, a couple years ago where it was, it literally finished, nine to six. Like, was it nine to six? was what it in finished, Overtime. Yeah? It was nine to yeah. six in overtime. Yeah. It oh, was one I... versus two. I might be on I an island guarantee. here, yeah, but I would love, uh, I would love a nine oh. to six Red River. Both teams with great offenses somehow. Just
3: under, yeah, we've, you know, we've under, talked this whole time about the offense and how points. we've talked this whole time about how bad the kickers are, and then suddenly it's like a kicker duel. Yeah, yeah just like shot.
1: yeah, yeah, PK shootout to finish it. Just both teams <laughs> just missing kicks. You know, just three and out, three and out, missing kicks, missing kicks, over and over and over time.
0: That yeah. I don't want it. That's disgusting. Okay, but speaking of special teams, and we've talked about the kicker a bunch, but you know, OU fans, especially the longer tenured ones who have seen a lot of this rivalry, and you know, a lot of talk has been about 08 and that massive game. Well, what one of the biggest plays in that, unfortunately, uh was the Jordan Shipley incredible punt return for a touchdown. So those type of plays are always on OU fans' minds, I think, entering the Cotton Bowl as uh, something that could be a massive deal. Does Texas have playmakers on the special teams? And if they That's do, dumb. please tell.
2: <laughs> I, well, I know they do, but like, have they been effective this year? We've seen it. We've legitimately seen one guy score a touchdown special teams for Texas versus us. Bobby's like prodding. He's like, please. I'm trying to forget. I'm
3: trying um, to forget. <laughs> I mean, I would say this year, or so Xavier Worthy and Keelan Robinson have been handling most of the kick return stuff. But from what I've seen, it's been it's been a lot of maybe this is just due to the the rule changes that we live in now. But I, I feel like I've seen mostly fair catches and just, you know, you know, Peter calls like stay away from the ball and just kind of let it bounce. So um luckily for you guys, I haven't I haven't seen too much of that. I don't know about OU returning like Texas has well. been really solid on the coverage, but they haven't really returned that many kicks that I've seen.
2: Well, get ready. Our punter has like a max punt range of 40 yards, so you're gonna have plenty of time to return. Versus <laughs> that's
3: <us>. with <laughs> the bounce. That's
1: 40 yards with the bounce. He
2: he just randomly decided to start doing rugby style. Like it, just it's on because a it's it's because of the rule in college. Because in in the NFL you can start you can't run until the ball is kicked, right? And college you can run right off the snap. So he's like. Okay, my punts regularly have just been absolutely horrible. I'm just gonna at least try this, even though it's not in my bag. And I, it's really, I don't, I don't if you're talking true. about punt games, I think I'm pretty sure it is, right? I don't know. I think as soon as the balls snapped, you can. If you're yeah, a gunner, the, the you the can go. go. Yeah, in
1: college, yeah. yes, but in NFL, I think the
0: NFL you too. Really? Well, pretty sure. The,
2: okay. Yeah, what was the how deal with that Patriots know? block?
1: How, how would you know?
2: Okay, I might be thinking yeah, off. I don't um I don't but know. maybe like XFL they're, or they're CFL or something. All I'm trying to get at is he's just trying to give a little bit more time. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Someone someone just dropped an extremely cold take there. I legitimately yeah, don't know if it's, <laughs> I James tell or, if it's or if it's all of us, but it was just someone we a looking up, stance because I feel someone, I actually feel like I heard that on like off. some
2: kind of media this week, and that's why I'm relaying it.
1: I I mean it sounds like a kickoff rule, but um I, I, I think it's say, okay. So
2: it's it's just just the Gunners can go, but not but not anyone else.
3: In what what level of competition?
2: <laughs> in NFL, pretty sure everybody goes. Okay, I'm gonna keep looking. Carry on, guys. Okay. <laughs> well,
1: I thought you <laughs> well, found while <well>, <laughs> <laughs> well, while Jameson looks up found NFL the, rule, found the
0: rule. hunt block rules. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we've really like exhausted a lot of um our game preview really. You know, dove in deep into this game, Chris. Any any final questions about the so, Sooners that
3: we can answer? I know. I f- I feel like we kind of like last year when we talked about it. I think a lot of the focus was, um, you know, the Texas defense versus the offense. But I'm really curious to hear y'all's perspective on the, how do you how do you feel really feel about this OU defense? You know, considering the Texas offense has been pretty good, scoring you know 35 to 40 points against at least. One or two quality opponents, however you want to feel about them, but yeah, how do you how do you feel in this matchup about the
0: OU defense? Now the, the phrase I, so in this match, go ahead, Ty, you got it.
1: I'll take the lead on this one because I have a I have a short one, and I'm not trying to denigrate this OU uh, defense, but it, we have a very very good defense up to this point. We've had a bend but not break defense up to this point. We have been, you know performing really well on the basketball court, but we've been playing on a seven foot rim. So I I think it will be interesting to see if the skills translate, you know, to a a full height rim because it could be, you know, I don't think this is going to occur, but there's always that chance that we just, you know, reach our tipping point and there's a total breakdown, total collapse, or it could, you know, we could step up to the plate and perform even better. Um, I think defense more than offense. it's, It's certainly for me, it's, cautiously optimistic i think we can perform really well i think we can you know potentially be the best defense that y'all face that's a bold statement but i, I think we can uh but it, it's yet to be proven
0: i think there are aspects of the defense that are definitely better i don't think it's quite it's not where we want it to be yet and i think a lot of that's because of personnel um just not quite there yet in, uh, in terms of you know some of the five-star guys where we have you know um signed and you know do have you know committed rather uh and then a couple of our young guys like pj adabuare uh who i think will develop into be just an excellent nfl like nfl caliber player one day but he's just not there yet because he's a freshman um i definitely think it's an improvement but the key thing you said there was how do i feel in this matchup the answer is kind of horrified because this Texas team does not look like it has a lot of flaws. This is a very I I am I'm am past doubting this Texas team now. I I know I've been giving them the kiss of death <laughs> giving myself the kiss of death uh, the past couple of weeks by by voting or by picking against them. But um man they 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 just look very complete when they are on and really locked in, dialed in. Um I don't know. I I just feel like it's the ultimate stress test. Um, it, it's it, you know it's like bar rescue. I'm not quite sure. Our bar, not quite sure our bar is ready for it yet. I, I don't know. Texas is John Taffer, and they're throwing they're throwing everything at us right now. And it, it might be unfair, but it's what we have to deal with. And then uh, I guess if you guys want to give me a quick elevator pitch
3: on why, so in my eyes, this OU team is almost it's almost exactly in my eyes, how it was last year before Dylan Gabriel got injured. So I remember last year, OU's trying to gather, what, three to four wins before the Kansas State game, right, before things unraveled. And I remember thinking, we were hearing the hype, like, OU was a top 10 team. I feel like they were like, this defense is so much better. Look how good Dylan Gabriel is. And, of course, you guys get Dylan Gabriel in this game, but – the defense seemed to unravel once those few losses happened. And it kind of seemed like everything fell apart. Do you think that was more of like a morale, not having Dylan Gabriel or tell me why this OU team is different from last year? Yes. Here's the the thing.
2: Here's the thing. You, you said it, they look better than the year before, but guess what? Two years ago, it was miserable. Defense was absolutely (laughs) miserable. So damn right. We were a little bit excited, but yes, it started to come loose because they haven't learned really the Brent Venable scheme. Some of these, Alex Grinch systems were really kind of stuck in these players head and it really kind of broke down whenever push came to shove and came into conference play the eye test I'm not seeing as many of these breakdown stupid plays we're putting ourselves in better position. The biggest flaw, though, in terms of what can really make this OU defense look like something similar to that of last year, that is also probably the biggest issue for the defense last year, was our pass rush without blitzing. If you're just talking about defensive ends and their ability to get to the quarterback, we struggle. So third down is an absolute huge opportunity for Texas to keep the games going and put together a long drive because it's really hard for us to get pressure on Quinn Ewers without having to send one of our linebackers. And OU hasn't been horrible on third down percentage this year. uh, But but the offenses we played have been booty. Is the you're thing, But right. no, right. by, right. by, by the eye test, our defensive ends are still not getting to the quarterback at the level that I want. And whenever you have two big-time wide receivers like Mitchell and Worthy and Quinn Ewers, a tested quarterback who's extremely talented, he's going to find ways to pick apart this defense if we don't get to him in a third-and-long situation. Our zone defense and our man can only hold for so long if we're not sending pressure. right. And we haven't even
0: talked about Texas's offensive line, which is really, really good. They they've vastly gotten, improved. They've gotten the right guys in, and I, I will give them credit for that. Absolutely, Uh, that
2: is you're right. That that, made, that is going really... deal that they had, where every <laughs> single one of your offensive linemen, no matter what, didn't y'all get. It was like a six figure deal for all offensive linemen or something, right? Man, I don't I don't know anything about. Well, actually, it's fine. <laughs> enough, it was yeah. what
0: the pancake fund or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's uh, what? we, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> what, yeah, it. Whatever it is, it did they they sure boosted that up a, a lot. But uh and I'll say this, you know, to, to give my elevator pitch a little bit. Um, I think I think the biggest difference is, you know, not only the system, but the development of guys like Danny Stutzman. I, I feel like Danny Stutzman, if you've listened to OU stuff, you're probably annoyed with him about it by now. But this guy has legitimately been playing like a buttgiss type of player. Again, Gets. Booty offenses, not very good um, offenses, but you you can just tell that it's different. His reads, um, his buy into the system is different. You know, um, a lot of what a lot of what Brent said about last year is, you know, Stutzman really didn't get the system, you know, kind of clashed with him a couple times. Different situation there. Uh, Jaron Kanick's a little bit older. I, I, I feel like the linebackers compared to what we had last year where. I mean, shoot! What Brian uh, Brian? Uh, we didn't have Brian Awesomeoa, did we? No, year, or, year no, no, no. That was a, that was a year ago. ago. It, who who am I thinking of? That was incredibly slow. David Uguébu. David Uguébu. Thank <laughs> you, uh, guys like that who just we we got a lot of bad or a, a lot of production in, even though we lost a lot of players. And I I feel like I feel like that that's the difference. We have guys like Dasan McCullough, who has been a player that we just really haven't had uh, in the building. And, you know, I, I, I think that's the difference is we have made these small shifts. We're not the final product yet. Uh, we something we like nine gone... transfers, right? This year. Alone oh yeah.
3: On defense. Right.
0: Yeah. Our D lines completely revamped, you know, guys like, you know, Rondell Bothroid from wake forest. So it, it is, it is a different setup. It feels different in that way. Um, and having an entire year to just learn, get better with the system. I I, I think that uh, has done dividends um, for sure. Ty, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I I think in short, I would say, you know, any elevator pitch nowadays, of course, we have to mention that we are in fact AI enabled, um, (laughs) you know, distributed blockchain and and Mm -hmm. everything else. But um, I think, if I look at this OU team, obviously they—I don't think they've met it a single time last year. But I don't know that our ceiling is much higher than it was last year. And this is like—I don't know if you—you you probably don't listen to the pod regularly, Chris—but it always annoys me when you know Blake, especially on the weekend spread, <laughs> Jamison and Bobby give these whole. Well, their ceiling is this, their floor is this, but I think it's appropriate in a sense. Our ceiling, I don't think, is much higher in terms of what we can do game to game, obviously that snowballs and you can ultimately have a a better outcome on the season, but I don't know that our ceiling is much higher game to game than it was last year. We obviously, you know, very rarely lived up to that last year, but I think our floor is much improved. The, what you're going to get from this OU team, even in this Texas game, um, with the toughest opponent that we're going to face all year, I believe is, um, I think it's going to be more consistent with what you see against our worst opponents than it would have been last year. Last year, there was a big range. We were never hitting anything close to our ceiling this year. I think we're much more consistent and regardless of the outcome, you're going to see some fight from this OU team. It's not going to be a 49 to zero situation. Unfortunately, you know, best case scenario, Gabriel gets injured or pulled and then we can score some with, with Jackson Arnold, but you know, Maybe if Gabriel plays the whole game, it might be like seventy-seven to zero, but it, it won't be forty-nine to zero.
3: Yeah, I, that's that's what I've been saying, like about the OU team. Regardless of what happens, like if if Texas wins this matchup, I really don't see a path other than even eleven and one and a reappearance in a Big Twelve title game. We just just the state of the Big Twelve this year. Last year it was a lot more depth, a lot of just better quality teams, like with TCU and even Oklahoma state last year before their little fall off and all that. So it's, it's really, it's up to OU kind of how they want to deal with this game. And even if, if they lose this matchup, kind of how they want to take that the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Do you have any final questions for us before we go into, uh, I guess, asking your prediction stuff? Hmm. Let me think. Well, I, th- I was thinking
3: about the prediction, but I guess if that's your last question. Um, yeah, we
0: can which, go right into it. We can go um, right into it, yeah. Uh, yeah, prediction. Uh, let, let's go with uh, your prediction, your MVP, and your key to the game for the Horns. So I think score
3: prediction, this kind of feels like it might be a little similar to the Alabama game to me, like Texas covers, maybe a couple scores, definitely way closer than last year. Something like 35 24 Something where it's you know it's two scores it's close. OU has some fight, maybe some big explosives plays, and they have a little fight back, but ultimately kind of the horns put it away. Um, you know what MVP? I'm just going to go with Quinn Ewers. Why don't we just just say he distributes the ball? Maybe maybe OU decides they're going to shut down Jonathan Brooks with the film they have from last week, and then something else opens up for for them. Maybe he's a dual threat now, and he runs in five touchdowns, which. <laughs> I don't know about that one, but (laughs) you never know. um, And then what was the last part? The takeaways for if Texas wants to win this game. uh,
0: Yeah. uh, The big key for uh, Texas, I suppose. So I I think it's going to play along with
3: kind of a lot of the theme of this season. I think it's going to be maybe the, the line play on both sides of the ball is the offensive line as physical, like against OU, like it seems to be a much improved D line. Does Texas push around the OU D line and really run when they want or, pass protect how how much does the d-line get to dylan gabriel do they keep him off schedule as you guys mentioned does he have to start to look for second third option scramble out of the pocket and try and make throws like stuff that is not as you guys say up to really the, the style of
0: game that he wants to play especially in a big rivalry game so awesome well, Chris, thank you so much for your time and your insight on Texas. We really, really do appreciate it. Uh, as always, always fun having you on to talk about this. Just awesome, awesome game. Um, and yeah, hopefully we uh, see you back next year for the uh, first installment of the Red River Rivalry in the SEC SEC Red no. River. Uh,
1: make sure SEC make wars. sure you have make sure you have some time in your calendar and, uh, you know, at the end of the season, Chris, we're going to need you for a uh,
3: Another
0: game in Dallas, perhaps.
3: Electric Boogaloo. I'll try to go Dallas, to that one in person. the Dallas
0: area. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I'd love it. Yeah, the the, the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. Something the like Dallas. That. No, it's just the Dallas Metroplex. Don't Dallas. don't call that <laughs> suburb
1: its own city. Hey, hey,
0: that's one thing Chris and I. It's not directed agree on this to you, week. Chris.
1: That's in the the tiny chance that Blake listens this far into the pot. <laughs> I, I want that in there.
3: Just squirming uh, around in his chair.
0: <laughs> oh. I'm sure, I'm sure he is. All yeah, right, thanks Chris, having <laughs> For sure, man. Thanks for coming on. We're gonna send you awesome. off now. All right. All right. That was Chris islandstein Um Good show as always, guys. This is this is always a fun one. And I, I I will say I think he gave us some inconvenient truths about the horns that we're gonna have to sit with the next couple of days.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was. It's kind of reinforced my nerves for this coming saturday
0: a little bit but it's college football anything could happen and look if you're wondering where where our pr- predictions are um look you're gonna have to wait for the weekend spread tomorrow for that one um we'll have Bowden blake on to go through the entire slate but if you want more of you texas right now and you're listening on your podcast feed hey look just just go up go go down scroll we have an entire preview that we are about to start recording live, if you're watching live, uh, breaking down everything for this edition of the State Fair of Texas. It's one of our favorite shows of the year. Um, we're so excited to break down all the food, the routines, all of it, guys. I, I can't wait. Yeah, so it's going to be so fun. So yeah, fun. Absolutely. So let's go on and get to it. We're, we're recording live. We've, we've been going to a good time. Chris gave us a lot of great content. Thanks again to Chris Eilenstein for his time. Um, and thank y'all for listening as well. So for me, Ty and Jameson, this has been the Schooner Pod Red River Preview. We'll see you next time. Have a great one. Boomer Sooner, everybody, and beat Texas.